welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. We're going to be continuing. This is actually the last message in this series that we've been doing, the the Purpose Driven Church series. And we're looking at uh, kind of like the, the subtitle that we've got is How God Meets Your Five deepest needs and they're often kind of they've they've not been the kind of things that we often think of when we first think about you know like what are our needs but they're the kind of I I guess that that our needs in the sense of the things that we were created for and there are often needs that we have that we don't don't recognize but God has created us with a purpose and as we begin to discover the role that we have to play and how He's placed us within a church family and the kinds of things that He's called us as a church to do, we discover that, that there's kind of this, it, it begins to meet needs that sometimes we didn't even realise that we, we had, doesn't it? And the, the one that we, we're going to look at, we've looked at uh, a number of things, we've looked at, uh, last week we talked about ministry and, and serving and how being a servant is the key to greatness and significance and we looked at the life of Jesus and uh, who was arguably the, the greatest person who ever lived. Certainly as Christians, we would probably go, yep, that's pretty true. Other people might debate, but uh, <laughs> for us as Christians, certainly Jesus was one. Of, certainly, I think it's, it's undeniable that He had a significant impact on the history of our world, on the history of the human race. And we see that continuing, but He did it through serving. He did it through laying His life down for others. He did it by giving up and, and often we recognise that and I, and I don't want to labour too much on this because this was last week's and if you missed it you can go and have a listen on our, our website or, or via our podcast and, and catch it up but uh, it, it is so, such an important kind of thing for us to recognise as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus who commanded us and, and told us if we are His followers to do what He did. So this morning we want to talk about sharing your hope with others and, and often we feel uh, and, and I think last week we touched on this a little bit the need that we have and the longing that we have as human beings to, to leave some kind of legacy behind us to feel like when we're gone that we don't just kind of disappear and get forgotten but that there's some sort of sense of something meaningful something significant that continues on or that, that we leave behind and people in, in the world will often try to do that through all kinds of different ways, don't they? they try to do it through, you know, their achievements at, at work or through family, some by sort of scientific endeavours. If I can kind of, you know, make this breakthrough or this discovery, then I'll be remembered and that will be my legacy. Sometimes through sporting achievements, you know, through setting world records or being the best at something. Sometimes it's through money, you know, paying for a park for the city and putting your name on it and that's kind of for some people that's sort of the legacy that they leave behind but the problem with all of these things is that all of these things are going to eventually fade away be forgotten and and be no more at some point the only thing that lasts forever is God's family and so I want to I want to kind of suggest uh, that, that the church and the people that are in the church are one of the greatest legacies that we can ever have to bring someone into the family of God because that person is going to be grateful to you for all eternity 
and we're together with in heaven that person's going to be saying like I'm, I'm grateful to you because i'm here because you shared jesus with me and that's one of the greatest things that we can do so we're going to look at a little bit about sharing our hope in jesus with others and and five key purposes this is one of the things that gives uh, us purpose and and meaning and significance so let's let's just look briefly i want to start i'm going to kind of assume we're going to just talk briefly and just look at a few key scriptures about what Jesus says about sharing our hope but I'm going to assume that for most of us I don't need to do too much to convince you that sharing our hope with others is a good thing to do. I hope that you're kind of already there with me this morning. Now you may not feel very confident in how to do it, you may not be very good at doing it but I'm kind of going to assume that you sort of know that this is one of the things that as a church and as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're going to do. But let's look at a few scriptures. Let's look at what Jesus says firstly. Now, this is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, this first in Matthew chapter 4. And he, he says, Jesus, when he's talking to some of the very first disciples and he's calling them to come and follow, and he says, Jesus called out to them, Come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. So, right at the very beginning, when Jesus is calling his disciples and these were a couple of guys who were fishermen and Jesus is walking past and, and they're chucking their nets out and catching fish and doing all that kind of stuff and Jesus says, come, be my disciple, follow me, learn from me and I'll teach you not how to catch fish but how to catch people. So right from the very beginning, this is what Jesus declares his disciples are going to learn and do. And, and this is, the, this is kind of the, one of the things that I think when we come to Jesus, sometimes we don't realize. When we come to Jesus, it's almost like, sometimes I feel it's a little bit like, uh, if, if we kind of continue the analogy a little bit more, it's like an electrician who comes to Hayden and says, Hayden, I'm gonna, I want you to be my uh, electrical apprentice and I'm going to teach you how to do all that, you know, magical electrician-y type of stuff that electricians do that nobody really understands unless you're initiated into the, the world of electrician-y stuff. Uh, and, and I'm going to teach you all that. And Hayden says, yeah, sure, I'll be your apprentice, but I just don't want to do anything with wires or anything with electricity. Now, if, if he sort of came and did that, would he really be my apprentice? Probably not, because he's not willing to do the things that I'm calling him to be an apprentice to do. I'm calling him to learn. Does that make sense? And some of us are kind of like, we sort of say, yes, I'll come and I'll be a follower of Jesus. I'm just not willing to do the thing that you're wanting to train me to do. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? And so we have to start out from this place of going, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I've got to be willing to learn and try and I might make mistakes along the way because I'm just an apprentice and we all know that apprentices are pretty useless in their first year. No, that's not true. <laughs> But, but, but they're learning and uh, some of you have been apprentices and you know how much you didn't know when you first started out. Yes? Uh, yep. Okay. And, and so we make mistakes, but we kind of, we're willing to learn from the boss. We're willing to learn from the master and we say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put everything I've got into this and I might make mistakes, but I'm willing to learn and try and do. Now we have, I want to kind of skip ahead, I'll just... There are so many verses that we could look at where Jesus talked about this kind of stuff. Um, but I just want to give you uh, three. So this is number two, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And this is right at the end. The other one was right at the beginning. This is right at the end of Jesus' ministry. And he says, uh, he's talking to his disciples and he's just about to leave them. And 
go on back up to heaven uh, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Matthew records a similar incident, says Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. So Jesus says, I've been given authority, so now I'm delegating you with that authority that I've been given, I'm conferring upon you that authority to do the things that I've been given authority to do. So it's from that place uh, of authority that Jesus has given us as, as king over everything, because he's the the one who made it all and you think if anyone's going to have authority over someone it's going to be the one who made it and owns it and knows how it works yeah yep all right so that's a couple of verses from from things that Jesus said to his followers which includes us and those things were recorded so that they could be passed on to the Jesus followers that would come after those ones that were there at the time so they're words for us as well Um, but Paul in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 He talks about this idea of us as Christ's ambassadors. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. Who is He making His appeal to? Everyone that's not part of the family yet. So this is is God's appeal. So we hear God's heart and that's meant to come through us. He says, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. It's not just like, yeah, you really ought to do that. You know, you, you really ought to give your life to Jesus. You know, that's kind of just a good thing to do. Doesn't, that, that, there's not much pleading going on there, is it? But you get this, this sense of this urgency, this sense of God's heart. And, and again and again and again in Scripture, um, we read that God doesn't just, you know, particularly in the New Testament, we read God wants everybody to come to salvation. God is not willing that anyone should perish, but God made a way that everybody can be brought back into the family. He says this is, this, is pas- this is something we ought to be passionate about. If we catch the heart of God in this area, then there will be this sense of this urgency, this sense of desperation, this sense of pleading with people to say, come back to God. Now, here's the scary part. The Scriptures doesn't say you can be an ambassador. The Scripture doesn't say you can be a witness. If you're a Christian, it says you are one. Now, you, you may not necessarily be a good ambassador. <laughs> you, might, you might be a bad one. So we, we can be a bad ambassador sometimes for Jesus, can't we? Sometimes we do things that don't really very accurately reflect who God is and, and who He wants His children to be. Sometimes uh, we're not always effective witnesses. Sometimes we're ineffective witnesses, but that doesn't mean that we're not witnesses. Word of God says, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you are a witness. Everywhere you go, you represent Christ to those who don't know Him. So from these, uh, I think from these verses, and you can go on uh, from essentially all of Scripture and particularly all of the New Testament, But from what Jesus says and from what Paul says and the New Testament writers can say, we can kind of come to this conclusion. My job in God's family, and write this down if you've got your notes, if you're reading your notes. Remember we talked about how taking notes is is a good part of worship. It's an act of worship because it shows that you are listening and valuing and taking seriously the Word of God and wanting to remember it and not lose it. Yes? 
Maybe you can do that. Maybe you, may, it's all right. If you find it hard to concentrate and take notes, listen and take notes at the same time, go and listen to it again and write stuff down later on. But my job in God's family is to invite others to join us. Let me say that again. My job and your job in God's family is to invite others to come in and join us, to be part of God's family, to know Him as Father. Now, maybe you're feeling like you're not qualified for this job. <laughs> I I've certainly have had those feelings. I think we probably have all had those feelings at times. Maybe you feel like it requires some sort of special gifting or special ability or special uh, anointing, if you want to use a really churchy kind of word, uh, or, or at least it requires a special gift to be able to do it effectively. You think, oh, well, I can try, but, you know, I'll be useless at it. Um, Maybe you don't have the confidence. Maybe you feel like you don't know enough about the Bible. Good thing is that can be rectified. Um, <laughs> maybe you feel like you're not that great at explaining things. Maybe this morning you're here and as I'm saying these things, you're like, yeah, I've tried it and I've done it and it just didn't work. Nobody listened and I, you know, nothing came of it and it was all a waste of time. Been there, done that. I feel like God wants to encourage you this morning with those words that you don't cease to be a witness, you don't cease to be an ambassador for Christ because you get discouraged and He's wanting you to pick it up a a again and, and take up the challenge and, and maybe there are some things, some strategies again that the, the, in the message this morning that we've got that will encourage you. So I want to do two things in this message particularly, okay? I'm not going to do any more to kind of convince you that where we, we need to be witnesses or the importance of sharing our hope, okay? I'm going to go, we've got it, we're there. Um, but I want to do two things. I want to give you some points to remember that will give you confidence as you share your hope with others. And the second thing is I'm going to give you some things to do. So I'm going to give you uh, four things, four points to remember that will help you to be confident um, as you share, and then five practical kind of ways that you can be an ambassador for Jesus, okay? So firstly, the things to remember that give you confidence. So you're going to want to write these down, because you're going to need to, if you're going to remember them, remember what we said, you're going to forget 95% if you don't write it down by Wednesday. So this is, this is number one, all right? Everybody I meet has the same longings that I do. Everybody that I meet has got the same kind of stuff going on in their heart. Why? Because we're all human beings. There is stuff that is, is common to us as human beings. Now, it might not be the same, you know, might not be the same, uh, every desire might not be the same, but we're talking about, you know, you might like Holdens and I like Fords and we go, well, there's, you know, right there, you know, you can have your, you know, or what is it, Apples and, uh, Apples and uh, Samsung or Android. <laughs> <laughs> We don't always desire the same stuff sort of in a, in a worldly sense, but there's something uh, in us um, because we were created by God. And there are things that are common to us as human beings. We, we, you know, things like we, we long to be accepted. We long to know that there's someone who cares about us and loves us. We long to, to know that what we do matters. 
And there are kind of these types of things, these are the kind of things I'm talking about, these are the same sorts of longings that you will find in the heart of every person that you talk to, whether that they might recognise it, they might not recognise it, they might think that they're satisfied or content without God um, and, and maybe we just need to wait for the Holy Spirit to kind of work on them a bit and help them to have, you know, a, a bit of more clarity and insight. But Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says that, it's talking about God and it says He has planted eternity in the human heart. We have this sense of eternity and sometimes there are people who try to deny it and tell, you, and tell themselves and others that, no, 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 when you die you just go in the ground and get eaten by worms. Um, but for the majority, the vast majority of humankind on our planet, there is some sense that there is some kind of spiritual part of us that lives on after our body dies. The overwhelming majority of people in Australia and around the world believe that there is some kind of life after death, that there is some kind of sense of eternity because God has put that longing, that desire, that sense of eternity in our hearts as human beings. We possess this, this kind of... Uh, uh, innate instinctive kind of understanding that there there has to be more to life than just getting up you know in the morning eating food going to work you know coming home you know eat sleep work repeat have children procreate that's it that's all there is to life you know there's don't we all have that sense and and sometimes you hear people saying uh, surely there must be more to life than this that's that sense of eternity that God has put in our heart. A lot of people spend a lot of time trying to work out what that something more is. Jesus said, quite clearly, He said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He's talking about His sheep. He's saying, I'm the shepherd, my sheep know my voice. My purpose is to give them a rich, abundant overflowing, satisfying, a life that is complete and lacking nothing. Jesus says, that's what I've come to give the ones who are going to follow me and come after me, that's what I'm about. So when you share Jesus with someone, what you're sharing is that He's the answer to the longing that's in their heart and that you can relate to that because you have those same kinds of longings and desires um, because God put them there. They're not bad things, they're, they're good things, they're God-appointed things, they're things that actually draw us to an understanding of who God is and, and our relationship with Him. Not only does everybody have the same longings, but most of the time, people will have the same questions that we do too. Those kind of questions like, why am I here? Questions like, where did we come from? There's an awful lot of uh, scientific energy that goes into trying to come up with an explanation of where we came from. There's a lot of money and research and science that goes into it and, and a lot of the time they're completely off track. <laughs> um, but it's one of the, one of the questions that as, as humanity we, we try to answer, where did we come from? One of those questions uh, can be, you know, what, what happens when we die? One of the questions that I think a lot of us ask 
ourselves and, and anybody who will listen is, do I matter? We don't necessarily use those words, but we're, we're, a lot of the time we're asking that question of people around us. Do I matter to you? We might not come out and say it. We might express that question in different ways. We might look for an answer to that question in different ways, but all of us want that question answered. Do I matter to anyone? Do I matter to someone? Everybody has the same loggings that I do and everybody has the same questions that I do. That's number one. Number two, here's the second thing that I want you to, to write down, the second thing that will give us confidence as we remember is this. Most people don't really know what they believe and they often contradict themselves. There's a lot of people that will be very quick to go, uh, to, to put a label on themselves and say, I'm a, I'm a, a Muslim, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a, uh, an atheist, I'm an agnostic, I'm a Lutheran, I'm a Catholic, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a whatever. A lot of those people, as you begin to talk to them and ask questions, you find that uh, a lot of those, not everybody, but a lot of those people don't actually know what the, the religion or the label that they put on themselves, what that group actually believes. There's a lot of people who call themselves Muslims that don't really understand a lot about Islam. There's a lot of people who call themselves atheists who don't really know um, uh, a lot about, they're just kind of like, uh, I, in fact, I've talked to atheists and by the end of the conversation, they're like, actually, I don't think I'm an atheist, I think I'm an agnostic. <laughs> you know, and it's very easy to kind of just kind of slap on a label and somebody's convincing one day, and, but we don't really think about it too hard. There are a lot of Christians who don't really know a lot about what Jesus said and what it means to be a follower of Jesus or people who kind of wear the Christian label at least, let's say that. <laughs> I don't want you to be put off by those labels. Sometimes people will kind of put that up and it's a bit of a, a shield that says, don't try to convert me. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes you know, it can be uh, a sign that we need to be very respectful. And we need to be, sometimes it's a sign that they don't want to have this conversation right now. We need to be listening and, and switched on to what that means. But don't be put off by that label. Ask questions. You know, talk to that person. You know, what does that mean for you? What does that look like? What do you believe? Tell me about what you believe. Start to explore it and unpack it. But don't be kind of instantly put off by that too much. Get to know the person. Share your story. Often, your story and, and your hope in Christ as you share that will actually bring some clarity to their lives. First uh, Corinthians 14 says that God is not a God of confusion but a God of peace and I know that um, Paul is actually writing about worship and there were kind of all this chaos and disorderly stuff going on in the, in the church in worship, it's not on your notes um, so you don't need to look... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but he kind of brings it back. He, do, he doesn't just make the point in relation to worship because he attributes this to actually this is part of, uh, it's kind of a reflection of God's character and who God is. And so it applies when we have things about who God is that we can apply that greater than just the, the context in which it was given. So yes, it applies in worship. God is a God of, uh, of order, orderly worship and being, you know, listening to one another and respecting one another when we meet together for worship in church. But that also applies to um, God's character. And sometimes what you find in people's lives is confusion and a lack of peace. 
And as they discover what God says, it can bring uh, a whole lot of clarity and understanding and peace. First Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4 says, uh, he's talking about praying for our leaders and authorities and kings and over us. And he says, this is good and pleases God, our Saviour, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. God's desire is not to be hidden. God's desire is not that a certain select few will kind of know Him and discover Him and all the rest, you know, well, bad luck to them, you know, they got no chance. God's desire is that everybody would understand the truth of who He is and what He's done and the way that He's opened the door for salvation for them. John chapter 8 verse 32, you might know this one, says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When we understand the truth of God's Word and understand the truth of the relationship that we can have with Him, it sets us free. So that's number two. Number three, anyone can be saved if I listen for the key to their heart. That key is their unmet need or hidden hurt. The key to their heart is an unmet need or a hidden hurt. Look at this verse in Romans 3, some of you will know this one really well. It says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. I think pretty much everyone that we come up against is going to know that at some point they've messed something up, they've made some sort of mistake, that they aren't perfect. I think we, as human beings, we can all acknowledge that. But what does that mean? We, we all have habits and hang-ups, we've all got hurts and, and things because we live in a broken world, don't we? And as you listen to someone, as you, as you have a conversation, as you talk things through with someone, sometimes they'll be willing to share, you know, uh, uh, that kind of, that hurt, that, that barrier to them, maybe that, that wound or that, that thing that's happened that they feel like keeps them away from God's family. And if you can discover that, if you can discern that, then that can be a key to how we need to then help them to discover Jesus, how we can lead that person to Jesus. Now, there's only one way to God. Jesus said, you know, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But there are a lot of reasons that people come to Jesus. In the Scripture, we read a lot of stories about people who came to Jesus and there were lots of different reasons, weren't there? Some people came to Jesus for a miracle. We've been singing and talking about that this morning. Some people needed a, a healing or a, a deliverance or, you know, some, something that they needed from Jesus and they came to Him because... Of, some came to Jesus because they had a question. We read stories about Pharisees and religious people often particularly that would come to Jesus and they were, because they wanted to ask Him a question. What do you think about this? Our law says this, what do you say? Sometimes people came to Jesus out of loneliness. There are a lot of people that came to Jesus for a whole bunch of different reasons and exactly the same thing is true today. People come to Jesus for a whole bunch of different reasons. And if we, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, can understand the key to that person's heart, the, the thing that is going to draw them to Jesus, then we can very effectively share how God will meet that need and how God can be the answer to the questions that they're asking. Pain 
and suffering, guilt, shame, stress, problems, they all have a way of getting our attention, don't they? And you and I know that often it's when we are struggling the most, or when we're suffering the most, that we reach out to Jesus. And the same is true for others. Sometimes the, the, the people uh, ha- have a problem or, or a pain or a wound or a hurt that they've not found any kind of healing or solution or fix or answer to in their life. There might be something where they go, well, I've tried everything else, maybe I'll give God a go. And so that can be something that opens up a conversation for us to share about the hope that we have in Jesus. Here's the fourth thing to remember. People have excuses, but we have God's Holy Spirit and the truth. When you start sharing uh, your hope with people, when you start inviting people to, to come to church or you start wanting to talk about things, people will have excuses, won't they? You will very quickly discover um, all the reasons why they don't want to do that. But we have God's Holy Spirit. When God sent us and commanded us to share about our hope with others, here's the good news. He didn't tell us to do it alone. We do it in partnership with the Holy Spirit, who is always with you when you step out into these conversations, when you start these conversations, when you kind of take those tentative steps in exploring this with someone, the Holy Spirit will be there with you. Uh, and Jesus promised this uh, in Scripture. Uh, oh, firstly, let's look at Second Timothy uh, chapter 1. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. We often know that one, don't we? But he goes on, he says, So, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. So God hasn't given you a spirit of fear and, and shyness or being timid, so, but of power and love, so go out and don't be afraid to tell others about Jesus. Don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for Him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Isn't that exciting, that idea of suffering for Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not so much. Um, but it is one of the things that we certainly uh, can encounter. Luke 21, Jesus is talking to His disciples and He's saying, you know, people are going to throw you in jail and, and people are going to haul you before the courts. And, and He says, but this will be your opportunity to tell them about Me. So don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. That's encouraging, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is with us. Okay, so how can I share my hope? Let me give you some practical kind of suggestions about how to go about sharing your hope. Number one, live it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Live as children of the light. Live as ambassadors of Jesus. First Peter 2 verse 12 says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbours. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honourable behaviour and they will give honour to God when He judges the world. Did you know that, uh, you probably do, that people are watching your behaviour? People want to know what kind of person you are before they care about what you believe. Now, I've often come across people and they kind of, you know, they, they love the whole 
you know, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words, right? As if somehow just being a good person um, is enough. Now, it's a great first step. It's a great thing to do and certainly something that Scripture encourages but is not the be-all and end-all when it comes to sharing our hope with others. I'm sorry. (laughs) I wish it was. I wish it was, but it's not. Too many people kind of stop there and, 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 and we hope that people will just see Jesus in us and in our behaviour. Um, I, I think the problem is though that people, they may see something of Christ in you, but if they don't know Him, how will they recognise it for what it is? But building bridges with people is a great place to start. Make friends with people that are outside the church. Make friends with people that don't attend a church, that don't, you know, um, uh, and this is part of why Paul, in Romans twelve thirteen, Paul says, um, always be eager to practice hospitality. Invite people to your home. It's a great way to kind of, you know, I always feel a bit awkward about dashing out too quickly, you know, but invite people, come and have a meal or hang out, have a coffee, have a chat, um, because people want to get to know you. Before, I, I think for a lot of people, before they're going to ask, is Jesus real? They're going to want to know if you're real. Before people will say, can the Bible be trusted? They want to know if you can be trusted. So live it. Number two, learn it. You may know that you have hope, but you may not necessarily know how to explain that or give reasons for that to someone else. Sometimes that can be the tricky part, can't it? You know, it's not, and I, I don't think that this is actually difficult for us because it's overly complicated. I think it's sometimes it's difficult for us because we avoid it. And anything that we don't do much, we don't feel particularly comfortable with, do we? What are the things that you feel most comfortable with? Probably things that you do multiple times a day, every day. I get in my car and I feel pretty comfortable driving around in my car because I do it all the time. When Hannah gets in the car, who's only been driving probably half a dozen times in her life so far, she doesn't feel particularly comfortable. She gets very nervous. <laughs> and so far, um, anyone who's been in the back seat has also been rather nervous. <laughs> but she's doing it. But part of the problem is that she just hasn't done it enough to get comfortable with it yet. She's got to learn. And so part of, I think, for what we need to do as well is to actually think it through beforehand. Plan ahead what kind of answers you might give. First Peter uh, 3, verse 15 and 16 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. So how can you be ready? Plan it out. Think it through. Have those answers pre-prepared and ready to go if somebody asks you, why do you go to church? Why are you a Christian? Um, you know, how did you become a Christian? You know, wh- why do you believe in God? All those kinds of things. If someone just came up to you and said, why do you believe in God? What would you say? Would you have an answer that you've thought about? Or would you be like, uh, and then your mind starts racing, you're like, quick, 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 let me think of a Bible verse or something, or 
You know, so too often I think it's like that. We sort of wait until we get asked a question before we think about it. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm put on the spot, my brain goes, no, nah, sorry, you didn't give me enough notice for this. Yeah. <laughs> Come back and ask me again tomorrow. And, you know, you finish the conversation, you know, and like two hours later you think, oh, I should have said that. You know, oh, it's so easy. You know, but you'll find if you think that through beforehand, you might even find it helpful to write some stuff out. Write out some of your story, some of your things. Um, and you might find that helpful. So think about it, learn it, live it, learn it. Number three, listen. Listen first and ask questions. You know that last, that last verse that we read says, if someone asks you about your hope, it doesn't say, uh, if you happen to be walking down the street and you see someone that looks like a good victim and so you accost them and start telling them all about what the Bible says. It doesn't say that, does it? No, it says... If someone asks you, what is it, in what kind of circumstances are people likely to ask us why we have hope in Christ? When we're having a conversation with someone that we're hanging out with, when we're talking about stuff, when we're listening to them and when they know that we're listening. Sometimes we're so busy talking that they don't even get an opportunity to ask a question. Some of us know people like that, don't we? Yeah, you have a conversation with them and you don't really have to think much about what you're going to say because you don't get to say much. <laughs> Are we people who will listen? Because nobody can ask us anything if we're too busy talking and not listening. How, here's a, this is a great verse, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. Uh, it says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. In the Mishnah, which is kind of in the, the Jewish Torah, um, uh, they're part of one of the things they have, uh, it talks about a person who, um, hang on, I think I've got a note here. Paul yeah, says this, says, Poor listening and premature answering indicate the person has a low regard for what the other is saying or that he is too absorbed in his own ideas. And the Mishnah says this is the second sign of an uncultured person. You like that? An uncultured person is someone who's too busy talking at you to listen to you. How can we expect people to take us seriously when we tell them that we have the answers to their problems or the solutions to their problems if we haven't even given them an opportunity to share what they're struggling with or what their problems are? That's a good question that we should ask ourselves, isn't it? So listen first, ask questions, uh, and, and listen to understand, not just listen, you know, to respond. Get to know this person. What makes them tick? All right, number four, share your stories. You have lots of stories, I'm sure, about what God has done for you and what God has done in your life. That's probably a big part of why you're here today. Often we think about, um, you know, well, when we're sharing our hope, when we're sharing our faith with someone, it's just kind of, you know, like our, our testimony. If you've been around church for a while, you probably know, you've heard people share their testimony of how they came to faith or how they, you know, received salvation in Jesus. And that's a great story and a great part of your story. But there are lots of other parts of your story and lots of other stories that you can tell about what God's done in your life, isn't there? 
Has God ever helped you? Have you ever had healing from sickness? Has God ever given you peace when you were stressed or worried? Has God ever provided something for you when you were in need? Has God ever given you wisdom in certain decision-making? You look back and you think, I, I, God was helping me make the right decision in that situation. Has God ever helped you in your relationships? There are a whole lot of stories that we can tell about what God has done in our life and why we have that kind of hope in Him to be the solution for the next time that we're struggling with something. This verse in John chapter 9, I like this story. This is um, mud in the eye guy. You remember Jesus healed the blind man and with the, the mud and put it on his eyes and stuff. So this is, this is the guy. But in John chapter 9, um, we read about, so Jesus heals this guy and then the, the Pharisees find out that Jesus did this on the Sabbath. And so they haul this guy in, obviously they couldn't find Jesus, but they haul this guy in because they're trying to suss out, you know, what was going on and, uh, and whatever. And they're like questioning him all about, you know, what do you think, who's this Jesus guy and what do you, you know, what do you think about him? Um, and, and then they, they get him back in again and verse 24 it says, for the, the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him God should get the glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner. He's obviously a sinner because he healed somebody on the Sabbath and you're not supposed to do that. And what is, what is, how does he respond? He says, you know, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, now I can see. People can argue with your theology till the cows come home. But when it comes to your story, you're the authority. You are the expert on your life. You're the authority on what has happened in your life and what Jesus has done. Now, they might not agree with your conclusions about, you know, the, the, the whys and the wherefores and the, the, the underlying issues or causes or solutions or all that kind of stuff. But, you know, share your story. There is power in your story. And a lot of the time we find that the things that happen in us, are, it's actually not just us who deal with that stuff. A lot of people around us are, are dealing with or have dealt with the same kinds of stuff. Maybe not exactly the same, but similar in a lot of ways. So share your stories. And lastly, here's the last thing. Bring them to a worship service. Bring them to a church service. When people encounter the presence of God in our worship, when people hear the Word of God, when people hear God and, and encounter His presence, it makes an impression. It is hard for people to argue with their own experiences. Now, some of them will try, that's fine, that's up to them, but when people have their own experience and encounter with God, it makes an impression. 1 Corinthians 14, um, Paul's talking about, you know, stuff to do in church, and he's talking about encouraging them to prophesy. And prophesying is, is sharing a message that God puts on your heart for other people. Um, so he says, if you, all of you are prophesying, and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. Now, he's talking specifically about, about prophecy, but that ought to be something that is part of our worship. 
our worship services when we meet together, there ought to be something of the presence of God here uh, in our midst, shouldn't there? And, and, and I believe that there is. I believe that God is present when we come together and I've seen God give, um, uh, bring healings and, and, and words of, of knowledge and encouragement uh, and all kinds of things through our worship and through, um, uh, through different situations and things that happen. And so that can be a great way to, to bring people into a place where they will encounter God. They will encounter the presence of God. All right, as we draw to a close this morning, that's, that's the five things. But I want to encourage you right now, as, as we're closing, we're going to pray. Um, but I want you to think about, maybe just kind of think of one person. Someone that you care about, someone who's maybe a family member or a good friend, somebody that um, is important to you who doesn't know Jesus yet. Someone that you love. Um, someone that, uh, that doesn't know Jesus, isn't in God's family. And I want to encourage you to ask God to give you the privilege of bringing that person to God in the next year. I want to in, in in the next twelve months to think about you know so we'll kind of set this start praying for that person. Who would that be for you? Maybe that will be your greatest legacy that you leave behind when you're gone. That somebody's going to be in heaven because you shared about your hope. Let's pray together, Father. We know that you have called us to make disciples. We know that you've called us to be a witness to, to who you are and, and to what you've done. We know that you've called us to share the reasons that we have hope in you, the things that you've done in our lives to not hold back, but to be uh, effective and, and good ambassadors for Jesus. Well, we know that sometimes we don't always do a great job of that. Sometimes we avoid it because it's it's scary or it's difficult or we're not sure how but God I pray that right now that you would begin to raise that level of boldness in each and every one of us that you would motivate us with that sense of that sense of urgency that that we would catch something of your heart for people that we would get serious about those people in our lives that we love but don't know you yet Father, we want to pray for them right now. All the people that um, came to our minds just a moment ago as we're thinking about somebody in our life who doesn't know you. Lord, as we're gathered here together, Lord, we pray for each of those people. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would begin to work in their hearts, that you would begin to break down barriers, that you would begin to open doors and create opportunities for those of us who know them to begin to share, begin to listen, to begin to to speak into their life and hear their stories and share how the hope that we have in Jesus can also be their hope. God, I want you to use me. I want you to work in me to bring somebody into your family in this next year. Help me to remember those things that we've talked about this morning, that your spirit is with me, that you equip me, that you enable me, that I have the truth to share with this person. Help me to remember 
that you are the answers that everybody needs. Lord, give me the love that I need to care enough about the people in my life to talk to them about this. Even though it might be awkward or difficult, God, help me to love them enough to share this message of hope, of life, of relationship with God through the person of Jesus. Lord, help me love that person enough to to open up and share my stories and the things that you've done in my life and the way that you've changed me and the way that you've helped me. God, I, I humbly ask for your help and your spirit to work in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.